going to read Psalm 103, verses 1 through 8. And I'd like to ask Tim Taylor if he would uh, pray God's blessing on the Word of God. Psalm 103, verse 1. This is a psalm of David, the inspired inscription of David. Bless Jehovah, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless Jehovah, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy desire with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagle. Jehovah executeth righteous acts and judgments for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his doings unto the children of Israel. Jehovah is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. We stand in awe of your holiness. We ask that through your spirit you speak through David and that we can hear the gospel as well as um, be renewed with the memory of all that you have done through your word in our lives. We ask that our eyes may ever fix on you, on your cross of your Son, and that we remain grateful of the redeeming of the new hearts that you have given us, and that we, with those new hearts, continue to look to you for renewal, uh, remaining fixed always on your work in us, and never confident at all in our work. Be with David now and open our ears to what you have to say through him. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I seem to have uh, taken on a little tick on my throat. I may be uh, hitting the glass a little more than usual. I apologize <clears throat> that proves to be necessary. Uh, turn your attention to this Psalm of David. It's a uh, rather well-known psalm. A number of uh, particular verses are especially familiar to most of us. But this Psalm 103 is conspicuous for a number of reasons. It's conspicuous, perhaps we might point out firstly, it's conspicuous for the absence of any petition, whatever, from the psalmist. <clears throat> there's, there's not a single word of supplication in the whole psalm addressed to the Most High. It's prominently and preeminently thanksgiving. David's preeminent concern is with giving thanks unto his God for all his goodnesses, for all his mercies that he has showered upon himself, that is David, and upon 
the people of God, the church of the living God. And this is quite manifestly for that reason a perfectly unselfish prayer. It's not about David, although he's giving thanks for blessings that he has received. It's about God. It's about our being drawn to thank Him and praise Him for all His mercies, for His goodness, for His love, for His wonderful gifts, not the least of which, of course, is the gift of His only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon had a few wonderful things to say about this song that it's difficult to leave on my desk. He said, for one thing, he said, as in the lofty Alps, that mountain range, the Alps, as in the lofty Alps, some peaks rise above all others. So among even the inspired songs, there are heights of song which overtop the rest. Spurgeon went on to say that this 103rd Psalm has ever seemed to us, he said, to be the Mount Rosa of the divine chain of mountains of praise, glowing with a ruddier light than any of the rest. <clears throat> I wasn't sure what Spurgeon may have meant by ruddier, but I remembered that the word ruddy is in scriptures a couple of times applied to David himself, that he was of a ruddy complexion. And so I checked in the uh, word authorities for that, the dictionary for the English and, and for the Hebrew, and they agree. That's probably unusual and, and very wonderful that they agree with one another that it has to do with redness. It has to do, we could say, David was said to have rosy cheeks. And that would also explain <clears throat> the name of this mountain. And, and for Spurgeon's use of this term, ruddier. But the Monte Rosa referred to by Spurgeon is, we learned by investigation, a rounded, snow-covered, massive, that's M-A-S-S-I-F, of the Pennine Alps, lying on the frontier between Switzerland and Italy. A massive is simply a designation for the central mass of a mountain, a compact portion of a range. There are actually 10 summits, we're told, in this huge mountain range. And it is spectacular, to say the least. And surely the, <clears throat> the preeminent praise and thanksgiving offered by David to his God, Jehovah, in this Psalm 103, are even more, even more stupendous, spectacular, and lofty as any physical mountain range. And that's the point that Charles Spurgeon is making. He was a master. If you've ever read any of his sermons or any of his writings, he was a master in the employment or the use of similitudes, 
similitudes, illustrations, is easier to say. He quotes with approval one he calls quaint Thomas Fuller, saying this, quote, reasons are the pillars of the fabric of a sermon, but similitudes are the windows which give the best light. Reasons are the, are the fabric of a sermon, the pillars of the fabric, but illustrations are the windows which give the best light. Referring to the magnificent heights of this mountain range, Monte Rosa, clearly signals Spurgeon's estimate of Psalm 103. Using that as an illustration of similitude, uh, uh, an analogy, the heights of Monte Rosa, that mountain range. But we see Spurgeon's estimate of this Psalm 103. It reaches heights in the hearts, in the souls, in the minds of both singers of this psalm and of readers of this psalm. Lifting saints, I believe it's safe to say, to places where the air is somewhat thin of worldliness. Lifting them up from themselves. Of course, <clears throat> The one who does that is not David the author. The one who does that is God the Holy Spirit who inspired David to pen these words. And, and God in this wonderful providence has preserved these scriptures that we might experience that lifting up of our hearts, our souls, our minds, our thoughts unto heaven, unto himself, where the air is particularly thin and more importantly, full of the fragrance of our Redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ. Spurgeon may have, it occurred to me, been personally acquainted with Monte Rosa, checking on maps and so on. Of course, we found that it was on the border of Switzerland and France, or some of it in, I'm sorry, Italy. There's some of it is in Switzerland and some of it in Italy. But in checking the map, I find that it's quite close to a boundary with France. I couldn't learn how short the mileage was, but it was quite close. And it's interesting, and I say that Spurgeon probably had, a, had seen it, probably had a, a something of a personal acquaintance with the beauty of, him, of which he speaks. His favorite... His favorite retreat <clears throat> was in Menton, France. And I did find that on the map, and it's very close to the border of France and Italy. So it wasn't, it is not very far at all from Monte Rosa. Spurgeon, incidentally, died in Menton, very close to 125 years ago. He was trying to rehabilitate from his chronic illnesses and he passed away on that particular occasion of that retreat at a, quite a young age. But he's left us wonders with regard to the Psalms 
and many other of his preserved sermons, multitudes upon multitudes. But we appreciate his perspectives on illustration and so on. <clears throat> Psalm 103 is, I believe, is man's reply to the benediction of God. <clears throat> we find that benediction to which I refer in Numbers 6, that well-known benediction, the, the ironic benediction as it's generally called. Aaron, the brother of Moses, the high priest. And we, <clears throat> we would remind you of that benediction in number 6 at 22 through 27. And Jehovah spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, saying, On this wise ye shall bless the children of Israel. Ye shall say unto them, Jehovah bless thee and keep thee. Jehovah make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. Jehovah lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. So shall they put my name upon the children of Israel and I will bless them. That blessing of God. The blessing from our Father in heaven. The blessing that we are so dependent upon. But Jehovah bless thee from our psalmist here, David. Jehovah bless thee comes from, well, that comes from God to his children. Bless Jehovah, O my soul, uttered here by David in this psalm. Ascends from God's children unto their Father in heaven. You see that reciprocal relationship. God's benediction and, and the ascent of the blessing <clears throat> of, of the children of God crying that Jehovah be blessed. Oh, my soul, bless Jehovah. Ascends from the Father's children. It is man's reply, as I said, to God's benedictions. And we might also say that, <clears throat> that it is the child of God's song on the mount. The child of God's song on the mount, answering to Christ's sermon on the mount. Peak responding to peak. Summit answering to summit. Jesus said to us, blessed are the poor. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they that hunger. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. These poor. These that mourn. These meek. These hungry. These merciful. These pure in heart. These peacemakers respond with a daring and resounding, Bless Jehovah, O my soul. They receive these beatitudes, they receive blessings from God that inspires them, if I can put it that way, to cry back unto their Father in heaven, Bless Jehovah, O my soul. 
Spurgeon said that there is too much in this psalm for a thousand pens to write. It is one of one of those all comprehending scriptures, he said, which is a Bible in itself. And it might alone suffice for the hymn book of the church. It is indeed wonderful. We have frequent occasions of singing Psalm 103, or at least portions of it. And it is wonderful for the hymn book of the church. These things may seem rather diffuse, these comments of Spurgeon. They may be kind of wandering and widespread and spread out more than necessary, but I don't believe so. Spurgeon himself remarked on the commentary of another preacher upon this psalm. He remarked that perhaps it is diffuse, too wandering, but it is too good to criticize. It may be a little diffuse, but better to be diffuse than to be leaving some of the beauty out of it. Bless Jehovah, O oh my soul. David begins this psalm. He was evidently so soliloquizing. He was talking to himself. Perhaps talking out loud. He was reminiscing. He was musing. Have you ever done any of those things? Have we ever done any of those things? Do we ever talk to ourselves without uttering a sound? Do we ever talk to ourselves out loud? Do we ever reminisce about the blessings of God? Do we muse upon them? It seems that in our day and age that musing, meditating is something of a lost art. But we ought to practice it, talking to ourselves. We ought to make a point of musing, meditating. True gratitude, like charity, must begin, should begin at home, with ourselves. Having a conversation with ourselves. Meditating. Upon, often upon the goodness of God to us. The undeserved, absolutely undeserved goodness and mercy of God toward us. It should begin at home, having this conversation. And David here had an audience of one, did he not? Talking with himself, but talking with God also. Bless Jehovah, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. How can we possibly bless God? Has that ever come to your thought? Perhaps you were meditating and musing and asking yourself, I know I've done this many times, how is it that man, sinful man, can bless an absolutely holy God? A God who has need of nothing. Absolutely has need of nothing. How can we bless Him? We know that when He blesses us, it's expressed with so many things. Things. 
that we need desperately. He knows our needs and He grants them. He blesses us. How are we to bless God who needs nothing? It's a puzzle. An extreme puzzle, I believe. How can we possibly do that? God is <clears throat> pleased with our love and our thankfulness, our thanksgivings. And so, speaking after the manner of men, He is blessed, we may say, by our desires and praises. The operative word here, I believe, is, the, the, is optative, which is the mood that some writers say that this verb, bless Jehovah, O my soul, is in the optative mood which is expressing wishes or desires. Something that we can't do, but we can express our wishes and desires that God's name be blessed. Bless Jehovah. That God's name be honored. That God's name be magnified. We express that desire according to that mood. In God, we trust and hope and praise, blessed by His children's desires and praises, crying out that His name be honored, that His person be honored, that the Lord Jesus Christ be honored. That seems to be the utmost any man can do with respect to blessing Jehovah. We can't add anything to Him. David wrote, <clears throat> In Psalm 39, verses 2 and 3, he says, I was dumb with silence. I held my peace, even from good. And my sorrow was stirred. My heart was hot within me. While I was musing, the fire burned. Then spake I with my tongue. I think that speaks to the matter here that we're talking about. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily define it perfectly, but it seems that David was musing, and he says the fire burned, his heart was hot within him, then he spoke. We can imagine him take, that taking place in him, in his heart, getting hot, the fire burned, and then he spake with his tongue, Bless Jehovah. Oh my soul. Have we never experienced David's experience that he speaks of here musing upon the wonder that is God, musing upon the wonder that is salvation, freely given, but costing our God greatly. Costing His Son greatly, but freely given to us. Have you ever mused upon that with wonder? Musing until our hearts were hot within us. Have we ever felt that heat that David speaks of in Psalm 39? And while musing the fire burning to the point that God-given grace within us causes us to cry out, Bless Jehovah. 
for my soul. He communed with his own heart. Have we ever experienced such self-communion? That goes back to David speaking to himself, talking to himself, meditating, musing, self-communion. One has suggested it could be referred to. Have we ever experienced that self-communion? Communing with our own hearts upon our bed. I remember thee upon my bed, David said in Psalm 63. I meditate on thee in the night watches. In Psalm 145, 10, David said, All thy works shall give thanks unto thee, O Jehovah, and thy saints shall bless thee. Thy saints shall, shall bless thee. But how can such a thing be? I ask again, how is it to be done? How can we possibly add anything to God? How can these things be, asked Nicodemus? And that gives us a clue to the answer. How can these things be? What did David or Jesus tell Nicodemus? The Spirit glows where it listed. God, the Holy Spirit, has been given to the people of God. And that's how these things can be. When the Holy Spirit fills our hearts, quickens them, fills our mind with words and our tongues with utterances such as this. How can these things be? I was reminded of the example in Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Remember that occasion that we read of in Mark chapter 3 at the very beginning of that chapter speaking of Jesus Christ and he entered again into the synagogue and there was a man there who had his hand withered and they watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might accuse him and he saith unto the man that had his hand withered stand forth and he saith unto them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath day to do good or to do harm, to save a life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked round about on them with anger, being grieved at the hardening of their heart, he saith unto the man, Stretch forth thy hand. Can't you imagine this man saying, How? As Nicodemus said, How can these things be? My hand's withered. How can I do this? Stretch forth thy hand, God commands him. And he stretched it forth. That's how. What God commands, he grants. When man blesses God, the utmost he can do, as we said, is to make known his desires. That God may be honored by himself and all others. He makes his desires known. His desire to honor God and magnify his name. But when God blesses one, he not only speaks good concerning him, but that good is sure to be accomplished. Again, as we said, man's blessing 
is operative, that desire, that wish that God's name would be magnified. God's is authoritative. Our blessing is optative. God's is authoritative. What he blesses will be blessed. But God is pleased because of his grace toward his people. He's pleased with our desires and wishes that his name be magnified, that his name be blessed, that he be glorified. In the last five Psalms, 146 through 150, the last five Psalms of David, I'm using that expression, Psalms of David, rather generically. I know there's not any specific writer given for them. <clears throat> and those, those Psalms, those five I mentioned, we have a Hallel. We have a Hallel. Not the traditional Jewish Hallel, 113 through 118. Not the Egyptian Hallel, again, 113 through 18, that traditionally they sing with regard to God's delivering his people from Egypt. But these, these are, to put it another way, these seem to be the, the praise ye Jehovah's. The praise ye Jehovah Psalms. 146 through 150. Each and every one of them begin with praise ye Jehovah and conclude with praise ye Jehovah. Or hallelujah. Praise ye Jehovah. Each of them. This seems it seems to suggest that these should be called the Hallel's, but I'm not going to fuss about that. I'm thankful to see these five psalms directing us to praise Jehovah at the beginning and the end of each one of them. Hallel, praise. Hallelujah, praise ye, Yah. Praise ye, Jehovah. Hallelujah. Praise Yah. Praise you, Jehovah. Can we even remotely imagine that we might ever praise Jehovah? Praise our God, the Father in heaven, our Father in heaven. Can we ever imagine that we might do that more than we should? More than we could? We join many others in thanking God, the Holy Spirit. For these old inspired men to pen these hallels, that we might employ them in our praise of God. Praise ye Jehovah, our Father in heaven. Praise him for all his mercies and love. Mark this morning opened up the service with the, the final Egyptian Hallel or 
the final traditional Hallel, and that's wonderful also. But the rest of them don't necessarily begin with praise ye Jehovah, nor end with, with Psalm 118. It's glorious in this matter of praising God. Jehovah is God. Well, let me go to 26 of 118. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of Jehovah. We have blessed you out of the house of Jehovah. Jehovah is God, and he hath given us life. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. I imagine that's referring to. Thou art my God, and I will give thanks unto thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. Oh, give thanks unto Jehovah, for he is good, for his loving kindness endureth forever. Wondrous, wondrous opportunities. Wonderful means granted to us in the Psalms to praise our God to employ this, this wonderful psalm. His praise, praising God, is not a meritorious work as we heard this morning from Galatians from our brothers preaching. It's not a meritorious work, but it's a gracious response to grace from God. And God gives us the grace to make the gracious response. It's all of God and nothing of our merit. We have no merit of our own. We can add nothing to the work of our great high priest and the Lamb of God. I remember years ago, shortly after I was converted in the church of our attendance at the time, they had a missionary I was going to say from Japan, but he was from the United States, but a missionary to Japan. I don't remember much of what he said, but I remember this. Him telling us about trying to present the gospel to these people in Japan. And he said, they'll take Jesus Christ for their Lord right away. They'll do it immediately. They don't have any problem. They embrace Jesus. And they'll take a statue of him. And they'll put it along with the pantheon of other gods. They don't mind taking another god and putting him on the shelf. I was thinking about that this morning when Mark was preaching about that, adding anybody imagining to add any of our works to the work of Jesus Christ. And he said it very well. That's not adding that's subtracting. That's diminishing the work of Jesus Christ. I'm only saying that we cannot praise God, bless God, magnify God's name without the grace of God. And that's a gift that comes from Him also. But He is so infinitely gracious that He accepts that with pleasure from us. He does it all. And He honors us with His pleasure that He takes in us. David speaks, as I've already been mentioning, of magnifying God, magnifying Jehovah, magnifying the name of God. How, how can we magnify Jehovah? It's just as problematic as imagining that we have the ability to bless God. 
It's just the same difficulty, just the same problem. To increase in some way or other God, to magnify Him, to make Him bigger, to make Him greater. How in the world can we do anything like that? It's ridiculous. But we can praise the name of God with a song. And we can magnify Him with thanksgiving, the psalmist says. And it's wonderful that we've been given this privilege and this blessing to be able to do that. But I don't know if I'll ever stop wondering how it is possible for sinners such as myself to bless God, to magnify His name. Cry and bless Jehovah, O my soul. Forget not all His benefits. In this Psalm 103, as we go through it in these few months ahead of us, we're going to be looking at, at all the thanksgiving, all the things for which David and the people of God are thanking Him for and should be thanking Him for. We wonder why David didn't simply cry, Hallelujah! Instead of bless Jehovah, oh my soul, why didn't he just say praise you, Jehovah? But there's something, there's something more, I think, to blessing Jehovah as David calls us to do. And hopefully in the next few months we will have that shown to us. One commentator, Samuel Pierce, I believe is helpful in this matter. Helps us when he said with regard to this. To bless the Lord is beyond praising Him. It is the highest act of worship in heaven. It is beyond prayer or praise. It consists in being heartily well pleased that Jehovah our Jesus is what He is. Most truly blessed in Himself that there can be no addition to His essential, personal, and mediatorial blessedness, nor to Him as our Head and Savior can blessedness be added. He is exalted above all blessing and praise. It is good to have all our mental faculties engaged and exercised in worshiping Him. Bless Jehovah, O oh my soul. Let us pray. Father, we thank Thee for this inestimable privilege that Thou hast given to us by Thy grace. Help us to employ it more fully day by day and even to its fullest when Thou should allow us, when Thou should enable us. O oh Lord our God, we thank Thee for the desire we thank Thee for the gracious impulse and desire to honor and magnify Thy name. Help us to do so with our tongues and with our lives, we pray. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. It stands for the benediction. I'm going to, going to use that benediction that I already read. The ironic blessing. Jehovah bless thee, 
and keep thee. Jehovah make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. Jehovah lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.